Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. I'm so glad that you're tuning in. Praise God. This session is wonderful. We're talking about discipline and prayer. And so this is exactly what we're going to continue to talk about uh, concerning discipline and discipleship, how that we can uh, grow in the things of God, how we can mature and mature enough to the point to where we can begin to teach others. You know, that's our mission. That's part of our ministry in life is that we learn so that we can teach others. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll get right into the word of God. Father, we're so thankful today. So thankful. So thankful for the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. So thankful for the witness of the Holy Spirit that we have in our lives. So thankful, Father, that you love us. Praise God. Hallelujah. And you're pleased with us, Father. And so we just endeavor to do those things, just like Jesus said, that are pleasing in your sight. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God today. We thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is going to speak through your word and enlighten us and guide and direct us. And we give you thanks for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. We're talking about discipline and prayer. And what where we're going to begin is uh, where Jesus uh, was teaching his disciples how to pray. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus, we have no record in the Gospels, of Jesus teaching his disciples how to teach or preach. But we have over and over and over again, uh, Jesus teaching his disciples and how to pray. And that's what we want to learn. We want to learn how to pray effectively, prayer that affects a change in our life and a change in our family's life and a change in our church life, a change in our community. All this can be done uh, through prayer if we pray effectively. And so we're going to begin reading in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read uh, verses 5 through 15. This is popularly called the Lord's Prayer. But notice how Jesus begins and how Matthew records uh, this beginning. Uh, when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. Now, Jesus did not directly implicate the Pharisees and the scribes, but that's exactly who he was talking about. But notice what else Jesus says now. Verse six. But thou, when you pray, enter into your closet and when you have shut the door, Pray to the Father which is in secret, and the Father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. Let me explain verse 6 the way I understand it. And that is when you get into the secret place with your heavenly Father, which is your prayer closet, and you begin to pray, you begin to develop a prayer relationship with your heavenly Father. And the glow that you are going to receive as a reward, that's going to be seen by men. That's the reward. People don't have to ask you if you have a prayer life. They're going to know you have a prayer life just by the glow. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Just by the glow that's coming off of you. Remember when Moses went up into the mountain and he was 40 days and 40 nights. 
And then he came down and he went back up another 40 days and 40 nights, caught up in the presence of God. When he came down off that mountain, his face glowed with such brightness and glory that they had to place a veil over him. Amen. I tell you, that's bright. That's why we have lampshades. Because sometimes the light bulbs are so bright, they hurt our eyes. So we put a shade over them uh, to reflect the light instead of it directly shining in uh, to our eyes. So uh, there is a glow that is given to us when we spend time with the Father in prayer, when we glorify him. Hallelujah. When we do that in our closet, there is a reward that comes to us. And that reward is there's a glow that comes off of us. There's a presence that comes off of us that opens those that are around us, opens their heart, amen, to what God has. And of course, I know this because back early, 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 I had not been saved uh, that long of a time and I was down in the dumps. I didn't understand why I wasn't sensing the presence of God that I used to. And I was working. It was late. Uh, in the evening and uh, it was the time that uh, that the janitorial service would come around and they would uh, clean the offices and I was busy working in my particular department and there was an elderly gentleman that came in to that room and as soon as he walked in I lifted up and looked at him and it seemed to me like the light in that room got brighter by the presence that came in with that man and I stopped everything that I was doing and I went over there and introduced myself to him and I told him exactly what I saw. And he began to talk to me about the presence of God and how he through his life. Now, at that time, he was in his 50s and 60s, but he had developed an intimate relationship with the Lord. And that presence followed him just like God told Moses and told the children of Israel. He says, my presence shall be with you. Amen. And the presence of God was with him. He had cultivated that. He had developed that over his life. And you see, it opened me up when I saw him and went over and talked to him. It opened up to me some truth about how to grow in the Christian life by developing the same kind of life that that man had. Amen. Praise God. So there's truth in that. And so when Jesus says, but when you when you pray, enter into your closet and when you have shut the door, pray to the father, which is in secret and your father, which sees in secret, shall reward you openly. And there's a lot of ways that he rewards us. You know, I talked about one. He rewards us by the presence of God being with us. Amen. And and and, and attracting other people to uh, that presence. It's not about you. It's about Jesus that's looking and peering through you to reach other people. And of course, there's other rewards, too, like answered prayer. Amen. People, you, you start testifying about you being in this situation and and you praying about it and God answering that prayer. See, that speaks uh, to other people. But let's go ahead and let's move on. Uh, but when you pray, verse seven, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not you therefore like unto them, for your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. And then Jesus says, after this manner, therefore, pray you. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. God wants us to pray for our daily needs. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's very important when it comes to our spiritual life. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or we could say it this way, but deliver us from the evil one, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then Jesus says this, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespassers. So that is so important when it comes to prayer life and when it comes to Christian life in general. We have to have enough of the love of God on the inside of us that we're willing to forgive others their trespasses against us. As a matter of fact, we cannot be people of love if we are not people of forgiveness. Love and forgiveness are twins. You cannot separate them. A person who says he loves God but is walking in unforgiveness is a liar. He is being deceived. If you love God, then you're going to love people. And if we love people, then that we're going to have to forgive them because we're just not perfect. I mean, we have things that we do that are not right. And a lot of times we do things that we know are wrong. Amen. And we need to get forgiveness of that. But there's other times we do things that we don't realize that they're wrong and we rub people the wrong way and people have preconceived ideas. It's so important for us to be willing to love one another. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus said that's a commandment. I command you to love one another. Amen. Now we're going to go over to Luke chapter 11. This is a P, This is Luke's record of the Lord's Prayer, but I want you to notice some things that he says here, very important to us, and so I want to bring them out today concerning prayer. And it came to pass, this is Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, and when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, Either the disciples were in earshot of what Jesus was praying or they saw something about Jesus that they didn't have. They saw the reward. They saw a manifestation of God's presence that was upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And they knew it came from prayer and they wanted that. See, when when you manifest the presence of God, people are going to want to have what you have. Amen. Praise God. I was remarking earlier with some friends how that when we first got saved and we stepped outside, the trees were greener. They were more beautiful. The grass was greener. Everything about our environment was just brighter and greener. That's just the spirit of God that's ministering and manifesting in our life. But when we get out into the flesh and we get tunnel vision, uh, we can walk right by the same scenery and not even notice it. So there's a difference between walking in the natural and walking in the supernatural. We have to walk in both. But it's the natural working with the supernatural that creates an explosive force for God. And so prayer will do that. We naturally go into prayer, but then we begin to mingle with the supernatural and it creates an explosive force for God. I'm telling you, prayer can be a very powerful element in our life that is going to manifest the greater manifestation of the glory of God in our life. But we're just going to have to 
learn how to get in there and get her done. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, verse two says, and he said unto them, pray when you pray, say our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, let me read that verse four again. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. There is a debt that people owe to ask for our forgiveness. But we don't wait for them to ask for forgiveness. We forgive them anyway. We fix that between us and the Heavenly Father. And that releases them. Amen. And so when they come and they realize that they have that they've wronged us and they ask us to forgive them, then it's just automatic. It's just automatic. We forgive. we don't have to make a big deal out of it. We don't have to say, well, brother, I already forgave you. No, we don't have to say that. Let's just be gracious and say, brother, I forgive you. I'm so thankful that you came. Amen. I love you with everything that's within my heart. God bless you. Amen. And then just go on from there. Get it fixed. Amen. Get it out of the way so that you and him can walk together or her can walk together in agreement. Now, Jesus says this and he's talking here. He mentions the Lord's Prayer and then he says, he has persistence in prayer. And I want us to, to read this uh, passage here, beginning in verse 5 in Luke chapter uh, 11. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. That's a demand. And that's quite a, that's quite a demand. Amen. I don't know of too many people that would knock on my door at midnight wanting three loaves of bread. That's quite a demand. I mean, this fella is asleep, sound asleep, and knocking on the door wakes him up, and he struggles up, gets down, opens up the door, and, and here's a friend of his wanting three loaves of bread. <laughs> Woo, I tell you what, now, uh, that would be something, wouldn't it? For a friend of mine, now this is the explanation, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. I say unto you. Now, this is the crux of the matter. Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. You know, we're friends to the end, but this is the end. Yet because of his importunity, his shameless boldness, refusing to take no for an answer, I will not quit and I will not be denied until I get the three loaves of bread that I need. And because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Did you understand what Jesus said? I'm not going to give you three. I'll give you everything that you want. Importunity, persistence in prayer, not giving up, in other words, not fainting, not quitting. Amen. Just stay with it. Praise God. Just stay with it. And then Jesus says this, verses 9 and 10, And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be opened. Every one of these verbs now is in the imperfect tense, which means ask and keep on asking. 
Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. There are times where you you will have to be persistent in prayer. Now, there's some things that God already says they're yours. So all you do is receive them by faith. Just simple faith. Amen. But now there's other things that have to deal with movement. Things that are going to have to be moved before the answer comes. Whether they be principalities, whether they be powers, whether they be spirit rulers, or whether it be wickedness in high places, or just people content to yield to the devil that are troubling you, temptations and trials that need to be moved out of the way. Amen. Now, James says this, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trans, uh, temptations. Amen. These are things that don't immediately, sometimes they do, they immediately move out of the way. Sometimes it takes a while of praying for them to be moved. Praise God. I mean, it's easy to walk through an unlocked door. But if you have to get through a door that's locked, you're going to have to pound on that door to get that thing to open. And that it, that's the way it is a lot of times in our life. There's things just God just unlocks the door and we just walk right through and we we're satisfied and we're happy. We've got an answer. There's other things that the door's locked and the Lord allows it to stay locked until we bust it open. Amen. Praise God. Revival is like that a lot of times. Now, notice how in these last three verses, how Jesus, he connects the Holy Spirit to our prayer life. Notice what he says. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how, we'll say it this way, if you then, being evil or being flesh conscious or being natural human beings with a fallen nature. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Now, how does this relate to prayer? Well, very simply this. If we're going to get answers to prayer, the Holy Spirit has got to come alongside of us to help us. There's things that we pray about and unless the Holy Spirit becomes personally present in our praying, uh, it's going to be hard to get them answered. And I know many of you listening within the sound of my voice, there are things that you've prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and prayed for. And if you have sensed any movement at all, you don't know it. Well, it's time to begin to rely and place a demand upon the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us and help us. Isn't that what Paul said in Romans chapter 8? For we do not know how to pray or what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself comes alongside of us to help us with groanings that cannot be articulated in our English language. Groanings. The Holy Spirit comes and he and his anointing then increases the power in our prayer life. Amen. And pushes us through that thing that we're having a hard time getting through these locked doors, these doors that seem locked to us. Amen. Now, listen, if you got a door that's locked, you can get through that door. I remember one time years ago, I locked the back door and I didn't have a key 
How am I going to get in that door? Well, you know what I did? I raised my leg and I pushed that thing open with my leg and we got in. Now, I had to fix some damage, but that's okay. We got in the house. There's things that are locked to us because the God of this world has locked them. And God is not going to unlock that door for us without some participation from you and I. And that means we're going to have to persevere through prayer and get that thing opened in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Now, there are some passages of scripture that I want us to read. It's over in James chapter one. Now, part of it I've already quoted. You know, James says this. He says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse translations. Knowing that these temptations work patience, but let patience have a perfect work that you be perfect, complete work that you be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. Amen. And then James says this, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraided not, and it shall be given him. What's, John, what's James talking about? In the temptation, in the trial, if we don't understand what's happening, if we don't understand why this came on me, James says, if you don't understand what's going on, then you ask for wisdom. God will give you wisdom. Remember the scripture that says there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, not willing for you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God will give you the wisdom and show you how to get out of this thing. I'm, I guarantee you the way that you're going to get out of it is through fair, uh, through uh, prayer and faith and just not give up. Amen. See, we're going to have to develop a strong, committed prayer life. We begin in our prayer closet and the evidence of it will be known by men. Amen. And a lot of times we're going to need the wisdom of God to know how to get through and how to make an escape from a particular trial or temptation. Going to have to. But I want to go back to what Jesus said here. And verse 9 of Luke chapter 11, he says, ask and it shall be given you. The word ask is the Greek word ateo. And it's a word that means or can be defined as to ask, to beg, to desire, but also to require. Amen. It's a stronger ter term than the general term for prayer, which would be prosuke. It means to place a demand upon. See, and Jesus saying, ask, place a demand upon a certain thing or things and it'll be given to you. He doesn't say it'll be given to you immediately, but he says it will be given to you if you do ask in faith. Now, the, the Greek word I tell you, it's used about 71 times in the New Testament. Jesus used it a lot. But this word I tell you. Jesus never used this word. It was never recorded in the Gospels. Jesus using this word to describe his relationship to his heavenly father. It is used to describe our relationship with the Lord Jesus and with our heavenly father. It's a term that is used of a inferior seeking something from a superior. Amen. 
That's why Jesus, that's why Peter said, or James says, and both James and Peter says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. We humble ourselves before the Lord, but we make a demand. And when I say make a demand, we're not ordering God around. The demand that I'm thinking of, the demand that I'm talking about, is placing a demand upon the resources of heaven that God has already laid up for you. Amen. He's already provided the answer. He knows what you and I have need of before we ask him, but he tells us to go ahead and ask. Place a demand upon that. I mean, in a simple, uh, the simple example is that when at night when you come home and you enter into a dark room, the first thing you do is you flick the light switch on. You're placing a demand upon the electrical power, amen, that, that begins all the way back in the electrical grid, amen, and passes through into your house. You make a demand upon that light switch to produce light. And when, as soon as you turn that circuit and it opens, you got light. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Same thing with your heating and air conditioning unit. If it's too hot, what do you do? Well, you turn the thermostat down, placing a demand upon that unit to produce cooler air. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. There's things that are laid up in heaven for you, but you have to place a demand upon it. Now, the devil will try to get in there and try to keep you from having God's best, but you know how to deal with him. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Amen. Now, the devil's not going to sit around and just do nothing. He's going to try to resist, but this is exactly what Peter says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Peter says, whom resist steadfast in the faith. So that's how you resist the devil. You resist the devil by faith, praise God. And a lot of that has to do with your prayer life. How much of the Holy Spirit is involved in your life? How much of the anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon you? Have you stirred up the gift? Have you, are you developing a strong prayer life? Amen. Before you go into prayer, stir up the Holy Spirit. Just begin to yield to him. When I say stir up the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about a thing. I'm talking about a person. And when I say stir up the Holy Spirit, that means make your vessel a place where the Holy Spirit can begin to move, begin to witness. Amen. So we need a prayer life that affects a change. And so I want to run through these real quick with the, just the time that we have left. Number one is you got to decide what you want from God. You can't wander around saying, well, I just wish God would hear me. No, you've got to decide what you want to God, what you want from God. And then after you find out what you want, you've got to find the word of God that gives you the promise. You and I must begin to pray the word of God, because if God said it, that settles it. And it's up to us to believe it. Amen. And then after we find the word of God that grants us the, the, what we want from God, then we begin to ask in prayer. Then we begin to make a demand upon the resources of heaven that have laid, been laid up for us. And once we ask in prayer akin to that, then we've got to believe that we receive. We've got to believe that God hears our prayer when we pray it and that he will answer our prayer. Amen. And we can't wait. And say, 
after two or three hours, well, God's not going to answer that prayer. No, there are things that may have to get moved before that prayer can be answered. And a lot of that movement has to do with you and me, whether or not we're willing to hang in there, refuse to quit until the answer comes. Amen. And then we can't doubt in our heart. We can't pray something and then out of our mouth just say something contrary. Well, I hope God heard that prayer. Well, I prayed for God to heal me, but I'm still sick. So I guess that's just not God's will. Listen, that's the badge of doubt. Whatsoever, whosoever. Let me say it this way. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. That right there is telling us that we can have a very successful, powerful prayer life. And in the medium, what do we do? After we pray, after we ask, after we believe, we refuse to doubt, what do we do then? If the answer hasn't come, we meditate on the promise, putting God into remembrance of his word and thanking him and praising him for the answer that's on its way. How do we do that? Well, we have to attend to the promise of God. We have to be single minded. We have to watch over our heart that we don't allow doubt in and we always give God the praise. When we do this, our prayer life will change. It will become very, very powerful. Father, we thank you for this teaching today. I pray for each and every one within the sound of my voice. Father, bless them. Open up their hearts to receive the engrafted word, Lord. Bless them in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life. <laughs>